2: tras a para Frankie De Jong. Lleva la bola Frankie De Jong. Balón largo para Rafinha de cabeza. Gol, 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 gol. Gol, 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 gol. Buena posición de Rafinha. Qué pase de Frankie De Jong para Rafinha que mete la cabeza. Vaselina.
1: Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It's the uh, matchday 14 recap pod, the final matchday before the World Cup break. And there was plenty of action this midweek in La Liga. I'm your host, Matt Clark. I'm delighted to be joined by Rory Barlow. How are you tonight, Rory? Yeah, I'm actually quite
2: energised. This is how sad my life has got. I was delighted to hear (laughs) Carlo Angelotti complaining about the number of red cards. Finally, somebody has brought this up properly. He was saying about how La Liga has about 55, must be up to about 57, 58 now red cards compared to the Premier League's 10 or so. And, Ancelotti, I could not be more on board that ship with you.
1: I think it's 59, to be honest, with the Edgars tonight, but uh, yeah, we'll go <laughs> with sick. that. It's still a... we're on, we're on course for um, a lot. Muchas rojas. Anyway, since, since the last podcast with yourself and Roman, quite a lot happened before even the match day started. On Monday, Elche sacked Jorge Almiron, again. And then, Real Madrid went to Vallecas and lost a barnstormer at 3-2. It was their first league defeat of the season and they lost the lead leadership of the title race and Barca are therefore top, which leads us neatly into match day 14 itself where Barca knew that going to El Sadar, tough place to go of course, but they knew that if they went to El Sadar and won, they would be guaranteed to be top at Christmas and for the duration of that World Cup break. What a game this was, Rory. Osasuna, 1-0 up, Lewandowski sent off, PK sent off at half-time off, off the bench, so his career ended like that of Zinedine Zidane um, getting sent off in his final professional match. Uh, although I would say that Zidane's was a headbutt in a World Cup final, so not quite the same. But then, an unprecedented win for Barca. They've never before come from a goal down and a man down at half-time to win a game away from home. The floor is yours. What a game.
2: Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? I think it was
1: just so rare
2: that we've seen barcelona have adversity like that and even even by any standards even by real madrid standards a man down and a goal down after sort of half an hour at el sadar they were playing poorly as well it's not as if the, this was just kind of a, an accident they were giving the ball away in in horrendous situations and i think they were lucky enough just to get to half time as as they were not not as if Osuna were creating massive amounts of danger but after that halftime break, after PK getting sent off, maybe that was the magic touch. They just needed somebody to cuss out the referee. Um, after that, you saw such a mature Barcelona. Barcelona that played sort of very united, very close together. I, I mean, also soon I think they'll be disappointed. Uh, Yago Barasate, after the game, said that we didn't know if we were kind of coming and go and we didn't know whether to sort of attack or or defend. I think it was a bit disconcerting for... Uh, Los Rojillos, but but yeah, Barcelona is so united coming through that adversity, knowing that it was the league leadership on the line. I think it's just yeah, it's just so unusual for for many Barcelona fans and just in general to see Barcelona come through that adversity, especially since Leo Messi has left the club, which is I feel like bizarrely Leo Messi's departure kind of went under the radar last season. Um, but yeah, since since Messi left, you just don't kind of see that from Barcelona.
1: Well, I was going to say that was exactly what you sent in a message. You said, big buzz, those wins only happen with Messi normally. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right But What about the winning goal from, from Rafinha, the, the head of the ball from the back from Frankie, who of course may not have been playing at the back had Piquet not been sent off. It might have been Gero Piquet brought on instead of uh, or, you know, Gavi, uh, Gavi came on, but Frankie might still have been in the midfield to accommodate Piquet or even at the end when uh, the debutant came on. But uh, that phenomenal ball over the top and and Rafinha, to be fair, fantastic awareness to know that Aitor was off his line to then just guide the header into the net. And yeah, cue celebrations galore from Xavi and and the backroom staff on the sidelines. They knew the value of this win and yeah, it put them five points clear ahead of Madrid's game. So now with Barca on top of the league, um, are they favourites for the title, do you think?
2: Well, I made them favourites at the start of the season, and I'm kind of sticking by that. But, I mean, I I think in most people's mind they won't be favourites because I think this the, these last kind of two weeks and the flip between Barcelona and Real Madrid, Barcelona were, if not in crisis mode, then certainly struggling deeply in La Liga as well. You saw that kind of win against Valencia was not a brilliant performance, but they sort of pulled it out of the bag, whereas Real Madrid were kind of cruising. And that... Girona sort of draw really put the brakes on them, and I, I think one of the things that, as good as kind of Real Madrid have been so far, will come on to them. Uh, it's very difficult to kind of just click back into gear when you kind of take your eye off the ball or, or when you hit some difficulties. And I think for Barcelona to come out of this tricky period these first 14 games on top of the league is absolutely massive for them and for their title challenge because i think the only real direction is up for this barcelona side it could get worse i mean i'm not putting it beyond the realms of football but but yeah i think this barcelona has a lot more room for improvement than that this real madrid side which does it will uh, get Karim benzema back hopefully touch wood
1: yes of course uh so we'll mention their defeat at El vallecas on monday night which was just an amazing evening of football in itself, but they did win in match day 14 to cut the gap back to two. Uh, a two-one win over Cardiff. Ed Emilitao was on the score sheet again with another header. Um, there's a bit of uh, Vinny Culebron once again with some, some heavy tackles and some potentially, uh, well, some would say provocation, some would say being targeted. Um, and then of course Tony Cross with an absolute golazzo on the volley. to he tries to swing one in his falls the cross, a belter of a goal from the German he is back we even had another collector's item a Luka Modric sitter missed um, uh, yeah what was more incredible for you Rory Kroos's Galazzo or Modric's miss I
2: was certainly more shocked by Modric's miss to be honest I think Kroos's Galazzo you could, you can kind of see that like coming you could see him shaping up for the volley and you could imagine that hitting the back of the net I don't think anybody it didn't even enter the mind that Modric would uh, would play that Past the post, it was almost like a straight pass. It was like very firmly towards the the sort of uh, advertising hoardings, and it, it looked as if Modric had intentionally put it there. It was very bizarre to see, but a big win for Real Madrid because I think yeah, if if they hadn't picked up the points here, then it would have been not total disaster, but the questions over Ancelotti would have been pretty pretty heavy and pretty hard going for to have an eight week break. Uh, where all anybody can think about Real Madrid is how they've kind of chucked away seven, eight points in those last kind of three, four weeks. So, so yeah, big win for Real Madrid. Um, and I think, yeah, Ancelotti, as I was saying, I was celebrating his uh, comments on the referees after the match. And um, I've just come for that press conference, so it's pretty fresh in the mind. Um, and he did point out that we've come through this 14 games, we've done our job and we've done so without the Ballon d'Or without our forward who scored 50 goals last season or so and that that's, again I think that's maybe been lost a little bit because Benzema's been absent for so much of this first part of the season so it's been kind of skirted over we've become used to the fact that Real Madrid are having to deal without Benzema but it is a massive loss and we've been praiseworthy of how well they've coped without him so far but It is, I mean, it's going to have an impact eventually. And I think these last few weeks, it really has.
1: Yes, and they've also had to do it without many clean sheets too. Seven games at the Bernabeu. They've conceded in every single one of them. Thibaut Courtois still hasn't kept a clean sheet in Liga yet this season, which is quite incredible. Uh, And Cadiz got a lifeline. Lucas Perez taking advantage of a Courtois blunder, another rare uh, collector's item piece in this game. But uh, they couldn't quite, I mean, Espino nearly did it right at the end to grab the equaliser, but they couldn't quite uh, get that, and Madrid held on. So, yeah, two points in the title race. That's how that sits. Um, as for their rivals in Madrid, oh my word, it, they are very much not in the title conversation. Atletico Madrid. And it's
0: drilled in, lost by
1: black, and it's a chance for Jamie Costa and Marici, with the tap in. After Jamie Costa's effort was deflected into his path, it was a simple, simple finish for the informed striker. Eight goals for him now this season, and Mallorca lead against Atletico. Went to Mallorca, and they were left shipwrecked by the Pirates. Magnificent Morici once again. Eight goals for him, scored in each of his last five appearances. Uh, Mallorca were fabulous, but we have to start with Atleti. How bad is this, and how much worse could it get?
2: How much worse could it get? It's a good question because there's just so little sign of it getting better. I mean, Morat had a couple of good chances, but the only Joao Felix, he did he has had a good couple of weeks. But the only forward-thinking player who I can say has had a definitively good season for Atletico Madrid is the one that they couldn't play for the first kind of half of this um, mini section of the season, and that's Antoine Griezmann. He was providing some fantastic balls into the box, but outside of him. Diego Simeone can't rely on any of his attackers so he needs to work out a system that's getting more out of his attackers because his defence is Fred Bear, we have spoke about it at the start of the season, we spoke about it during the season, it just, you can't rely on Savage and Jimenez at this point Reynaldo again, he's their only kind of guarantee as a defender and so Simeone has to do a lot of thinking, I think it will help when Koke comes back, I think that's impacted them in recent weeks and really been part of their struggles but Overall, we're seeing a team that, I mean, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, this team doesn't have a sense of identity. I don't know what they're good at. And so Simeone, as much as we have kind of faith in him, I think both of us are very much more on the side of uh, Simeone is not the issue and there's more to be fixed around him. Eventually, some of the criticism does have to fall
1: on him because they are vastly underperforming their assets. Yes, they fell out of the top four with this defeat in Mallorca. Um, only one point from nine in the last three. And of course, that was against an Espanyol side at home with, with playing against 10 men for most of that game. So again, a disappointing point that was. Um, and five games without a, without a win in all competitions, which is the joint worst run under Simeone. As you say, though, a lot of neutrals are saying, saying you know, this could be the end of the cycle. He needs to go. But I think you can see from Atleti fans, they're saying, well, well no, no, this... He's the only guy that could come through this. And again, for those that criticise uh people say, "What does he do in a game?" Well, you've seen without him what they miss. So that's uh, again harder to say what he does do, but probably easier to, to highlight what a gaping hole there is in that mid- midfield without him.
2: Yeah, you know, if I can just come in very quickly, a lot of people sort of saying that yes, Simeone should go. But I mean, realistically, if Atleti continue to finish in the Champions League. Is it actually worth them the the heartbreak and the upheaval of them sacking Simeone? Would that not do more damage to Atleti to have sort of an acrimonious end to Simeone's uh, Simeone's tenure than just finishing the Champions League and and hoping and trusting in a manager who's done an incredible job to get you back up there and to sort of revitalise the team? I think, yeah, okay, there's issues, but. But yeah, I think the sacking Simeone could send you into... You might get better. You might sort of perform closer to your assets this season, but it could also send you into a spiral. So it's uh, be careful
1: what you wish for in this case. Indeed. Well, speaking of how much worse it could get, they have a copper match to negotiate before the World Cup. And then when they come back in La Liga, it's Elche at home. So if they don't win that, then yeah, it won't be a very happy new year for Atleti fans. <laughs> we have to touch on Mallorca, though, because... How good are they? How good is Aguirre? His structure, his setup, his idea, and Murici—my word, revelation player. Yeah, definitely. I
2: mean, I mean, well, I questioned Roman. Was he the best value buy in La Liga this summer? And I'm going to answer it. He was <laughs> because he's what <laughs> has he scored seven goals out of their thirteen? He he's just fantastic. I think Eight, geez. Yeah, okay. So I, I was operating on a outdated facts there. But but Marici I think more than just the goals as well, he's been clinical this season. But I think also the we, we saw the impact that he had last season. And this season, I think we've seen sort of a further step. We've seen sort of his build-up play, the way he attacks the ball... And the way that Mallorca play off him has improved even more. I think they've adapted more towards each other. The link between him and Kanjin Lee has got even stronger. And I think, yeah, this is a more settled Aguirre side. I think Aguirre is just a fantastic character to have in La Liga. And you can see just how the sort of increase in uh, in one-liners that he's whipping out in the press conferences is symptomatic of how well his team's doing, how passionate they are. Um, I, I just how much fun Mallorca are having. I think they're the team, one of the teams that's certainly having the
1: most fun in La Liga this season. Absolutely, without a doubt, and that's his 150th league win as a coach in uh, La Liga, and a, a fantastic way to bring it up against Diego Simeone's Atleti. Uh, we'll have to go to a break now, but we'll, when we come back, we'll be talking about all the rest of the matches this week, with plenty of European race, uh, big games, as well as uh, intriguing battle at the bottom stay with us
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. It's our Matchday 14 recap. I'm here with Rory Barlow. Um, Athletic Club had a fantastic week. They are back in the top four with a, a comfortable 3-0 victory over El Lead A uh, very high-scoring Athletic Club too. Only the top two have outscored them. And in Gorka Kuru Theta have they found the heir to Aritz Aduriz? You know what, I'm going to... F- throw this back to you
2: Matt because I know you're a big Gorker <laughs> fan so here's your here's your chance the floor is yours
1: well he's he's only played in well less than 200 minutes of, of La Liga action uh, he actually started this game which I believe was his first ever La Liga start and he scored two goals he took them so well the second one in particular the way he just knows where the goal is over his shoulder and just fires it in low I mean Valle leader a very decent side under Pachetta I had no answer to him on this on this occasion. And yeah, his minutes per goal ratio is, what, one every 39 minutes, which is better than Robert Lewandowski. It's better than Erling Haaland. I mean, I rest my case.
2: It's <laughs> a pretty good case. I think it's weird almost that Athletic, I think, still even this season, we sort of question whether they quite have the goals in them to make that top four challenge. But just in general, across that attack, there's so many options now playing so well that Valverde is almost maybe struggling to fit Gurutheta in because you've got Iñaki, obviously, you've got Nico, the two of them are, if not guaranteed to start, they're pretty close. You've got Munyain who you have to fit in. Sanset has been moved further back to kind of accommodate them. Berenguer has always been kind of very effective for Athletic since he returned. So, so yeah, a lot of options for Athletic. And I have to admit, it felt like they were kind of struggling in the last kind of three, four weeks. But the fact that they've come through that sh- struggle, they played a lot of the big teams in kind of a row, um, and got through that period and they're still in the top four bodes very well for Valverde.
1: It does indeed. We'll, we'll be very fascinated to see how they will kick on in the new year. As for a team that is rather struggling and stuttering in this race it's Betis. Um, they went to Mestalla and lost 3-0 another red card this time Edgar. That's seven in 14 match days so they're on course for 19 across the season which is again back on New with red cards quite ridiculous, although there can be few complaints with this one, two yellows. Um, Valencia needed the win, it was their first in six, but uh, yeah, a miserable night, in this for 4 Betis. I think it just summed up by a track-suited uh, Manuel Pellegrini, absolutely soaked to the skin, even his fine hair was just flat and just feeling so sorry for himself, and yeah, Betis, that's just two wins in eight in La Liga, and they have fallen to sixth, even below Atleti, so if you think Atleti are in crisis, perhaps, maybe better, I and mean, it's very tight, of course, but... Betis, yeah, it's just it's not quite clicking, is it? They're missing players through suspension injury. What, What's your take?
2: Yeah, flat is probably the word for their performance at Misty. You could see just the the almost collective kind of slump and their uh, shoulders going down after Edgar got sent off. That was a team that had nothing left to give. I mean, bearing in mind, they played with nine men for 40 minutes against Sevilla on Sunday, and then they're back down to a man disadvantage again. Yeah, Betis, I think, just needed the break to be honest. And yes, I, I do agree that they have tripped up in recent weeks. But I think Betis almost again were relying on injuries coming back. And I think Pellegrini will be pleased enough just to get back to sort of full fitness. Hopefully, after the break, he'll be pleased that they're still in contention. Because although they are sixth, they're only a couple points behind. So they're still very much in this top four race. It's very tight up there between those kind of four teams um, from third to sixth. And so, yeah, you get Fekir back, you get Juanmi back, he should be back as well. And Borja Iglesias, obviously, from suspension. I think Pellegrini just wanted the break. And this is this was bound to be, probably, depending on how far they go in the Copa del Rey and the Europa League, the toughest stage of their season to na- to navigate, having those kind of six uh, group games plus the condensed league season with such a small squad we pointed it out before and yeah you had i think Paul koku is I, I i don't want to criticize him but i think he's almost just a beneficiary of being there i, don't, I, I think he, he's c- kind of getting game time because there's just nobody else up and the same could be said for well they've had to bring in kind of Juan Cruz from the youth team which is good to see and he's been decent enough since he came in but
1: this is a side that's really down to the bare bones yeah, it is indeed. Well, let's quickly run through the Euro race then. There's only seven points between third and 11th. Third, Lareal, 26 points. Fourth, Athletic, 24. Fifth, Atleti, 24 as well. Sixth, Betis, also 24. As you say, very tight. Seventh, Osasuna, 23. Eighth, Rayo, 22. Ninth, Villarreal, 21. Tenth, Valencia, 19. And 11th, Mallorca, also 19. So yeah, very condensed. We have to mention L'Areal because they went to the Ramos Sánchez-Pizuan and beat Sevilla. Again, Sevilla is probably the biggest story here, but L'Arreal are third, aren't they?
2: Yeah, well, this is the debate that we've been having kind of offline, is <laughs> you are convinced, I think, that L'Arreal can make the top four this season. I am waiting until March just to see it, because I've, I've been burnt too many times before by the Imanoleta, I think you called it earlier. Um, I kind of did, yeah, regret that now, but... I, I, I'll. I'll um, Stick with it, but yeah, L'Areal they are—they've been <laughs> impressive. Let, let's not deny it. I mean, I think this this victory plus the the one at the weekend yesterday, when at the weekend, didn't they? It's all One-one one draw with ten men. One-one ah, draw yes. with ten men. So it was. So it was. So they—they they kind of steadied the ship a little bit after those kind of three-two-three three defeats in a row. And again, all just be pleased to get to this break. You've got o- Oyarzabal should be back after the break. And that's that's huge i don't think we we can really state how much of a miss it's been and that's been kind of worsened by the fact that sadiq is not there i think alex Sorlot i've actually really liked him this season i think he's been fantastic and i've really enjoyed the way he's kind of led the line attacked fought for la real but i still think that he's maybe not quite the most clinical so so we'll pause that debate until March and then we'll we'll see where we are and maybe I will be forced to admit defeat but I should say that I, I've i been really enjoying Lario this season. I think Bryce Mendes has been fantastic. Mikel Marino leads the league in assists. One of the, arguably as he Tony Kroos, Ferry Valverde, Mikel Marino. is that is that an argument we can have that he's maybe one of the best midfielders in the league this season? So yeah, Lario yes. has been very impressive and um, I just I, I'm waiting to see it for at least three quarters of the season if not four
1: well let's see maybe they're both Betis and real sautera will finish in the top four and then we're both happy so we have <laughs> to talk about Sevilla though because again like the derby there were red cards galore two in the first half Ivan raketic and tangy Yanzu. in a way it was a valiant effort because they were two nil down with nine men and they actually scored and kept it at 2-1 for the entirety of the game lariel looked as you say looked tired and weren't clinical to to, to kill the game and the severe fans kind of appreciated the valiant efforts but it is another defeat they are in the bottom three and will be until well New Year's Eve so it's just such a contrast isn't it last last Christmas day they were second just four points off the top of the table now they are in the relegation zone I mean they are in a relegation battle there's no two ways about it aren't they It's when I look good at
2: it. nobody could have seen this coming no, no matter how finished not you even Sam take. Not even Sam Leverich, who was the most down on them at the start of the season. No matter how finished you thought Lopetegui's cycle was, this drop-off has been ridiculous. And Sam Paoli, the pressure will be really being on him at the start of the... at the sort of resumption of La Liga. If we see a similar side to the one that we've just seen, the one that we've seen over the last three, four months, because based off the last kind of few games in general, I don't think we've seen much difference... I think Sevilla are playing a little bit differently and I think they're playing with a little bit more ambition. But in terms of kind of effectiveness and in terms of if you're the opposition and you're looking at Sevilla, I don't think you see too much difference between the Lopetegui and the Sampaoli side in terms of difficulty. I think you see a similar enough side in terms of can we get results here? So so, yeah, the pressure's really on Sampaoli. If they start in similar fashion to the one we've just seen, they're in big, big trouble, and you never know how poorly these things can go. I still don't think they'll get relegated. I think they'll be OK, but, yeah, I mean, you look at kind of Valencia in 10th place, and you're thinking, do Sevilla have enough to kind of finish above them? I mean, it is very tight, we should say that.
1: Yes, it is indeed, but they are certainly in the mire, as well as Elche, who are the Super Colista at Christmas. Only four points on the board, as you said in your piece on our substack, lllonline.substack.com. Elche have had as many coaches as points this season, which is in itself pretty damning. They actually scored early on here, but um, they couldn't hold on. Girona grew in the game, and they got their first away win of the season, 2-1. At the Martínez Falero, uh, Tati Castellanos, and another from Ivan Martín with the goals for Girona. Um, yeah, another good day for Michel. Another defeat for Eche, Peramilla was saying that, look, we're playing with fear, we're, we need to be self-critical, we need to just basically get ourselves together and sort it out over the break, and because, yeah, they are rock bottom, marooned, you know, use any despairing adjective you want, it's looking almost impossible for them to stay up at this point.
2: Yeah, Peramilla also said, we've, we've what's it, se hace el ridículo, we've been, we've made a ridiculousness out of ourselves. I can't think of the uh, Anglicized or the English version of that, but you know what I mean. They have been yeah. ridiculously <laughs> bad. And, uh, and yeah, I, well, the piece I was writing, I compared it to 26 Days Later, which was the gap between Elmiron being hired and fired. And uh, that <laughs> it's, it's a horror film, and it opened up a whole sort of uh, barrel of adjectives I could use about apocalyptic and, and uh, re- disgraceful. And, yeah, it's... I mean, Elche... I had sort of concerns about them at the start of the season, but I think the the piece that I wrote kind of focused on Vrganek's handling of this. He put out a letter this week taking some of the responsibility and saying that he's fine taking some of the critics if it means that it takes the pressure off the players and helps Elche to get results, which is all very well, but you need to help them get results by making sort of good decisions. And I think the management of them has made it almost impossible for them to survive. I mean... Miracles do happen. There's still only, what, eight points separated, which is a large gap, but given how bad they've been, it's almost not too bad. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I just, it's hard to see any hope for them. And the morale, I mean, Levante went on a ridiculous run themselves of kind of not winning at the start of the season, but even that side was, was streaks ahead of this one. And I think it's we're at the point now where most teams look at Elche and say if we don't win this game then we've really messed up and, and we need to take a look at ourselves so so yeah big problems down in Alicante
1: yes and it want to be Paco Lopez to save them because he's been appointed at Granada um, yes only Sporting in 1996-97 had a worse tally after 14 games in the three points for a win era they only had two uh, and yes they did go down uh, elsewhere, Almeria picked up another home win, their fourth consecutive at the Power Horse Stadium, beating Hitafe 1-0. Gorgeous header from Leo Baptistao from a the corner there, outjumping uh, Luis Milla to get the only goal of the game. Uh, both sides kind of mid-table for now. Hitafe, um, of course, will still be looking to improve after the break. Uh, Rayo, we've kind of mentioned them already with their phenomenal win on Monday, but they drew 0-0 with Celta in what was much less eventful on uh, Thursday night, but they are unbeaten in six, Rayo. Haven't lost at home since August, and they're only one point off where they were at this stage last season, so the key for them will be to sustain it after Christmas. As for Celta, it's their first point under new coach Carlos Carvalhal, and it moves them out of the drop zone, as we say, at the expense of Sevilla. Um, if you have any thoughts on that game, elsewhere we've just got uh, another one here, Espanyol nil, Villarreal one, which potentially is the most interesting one, no? Eh?
2: Yeah, that that last game you mentioned—it's the battle of the embattled coaches. I mean, mm. Diego Martinez, what's he? A point above the relegation zone. Okay, the RDT cycle was damaging. There was problems that came out of that, and I think that really uh, made for uh, what's what's the word? Atmosphere of kind of uncertainty at the start of the season, but. The resources that Espanyol have do not deserve to be down where they are. They have more resources. Hossolu has been scoring goals, so you can't even point to the strikers and say, well, they're just not going in. I think Brafwe has been okay. He's notched a couple of goals too. It's been the defense that's been the big issue and more particularly the goalkeepers, yeah. <laughs> Alvaro Fernández and Benjamin Lecomte have been sharing the errors between them. But I think those errors as much as, as sort of anything they kind of speak to a wider um, problem in the defence at Espanol and a wider kind of um, again I'm trying to look for another word that's not culture or atmosphere but chain of mistakes and there's just there's just uncertainty there and I think that's one of the few things that we didn't expect from Diego, Diego Martinez we expected a very strong clear presence from Espanol so uh, so yeah it's it's been disappointing from
1: them um, I don't know if you if we've got time to move on to Kike Setien. We certainly do, but I was just gonna say, yeah, only two wins in 14 for Diego Martinez in his start at Espanol, which I believe is the worst record of any Espanol coach, um, which doesn't bode well. And as you say, at Granada, he was so keen on having that solid base first before they then ex- express themselves. So yeah, he needs to sort that defense out over the break. He'll obviously have time to do so. But yeah, Quique Setién, first win. Um, finally scored a goal. Okay, Espanyol's keeper scored it for them, but it's three points. Yeah, it's going to be a nervous Monday morning because they've got that cup game coming up at the weekend,
2: in the Copa del Rey, and after that, I think we'll find out if Setien's going to keep his job because there were chance for him to get the sack, as we mentioned, at the weekend. There was reports came out during the week, so two, three days later, that Setien was to be either had a small chance of retaining his job or that the Espanyol match was to be decisive. Even that win, I think, didn't really settle nerves too much. I mean, I think it would have been a disaster to have lost, but the fact that they were poor, they were kind of hanging on, and Jero Rulli was the was the sort of decisive factor at the end for Villarreal really sort of uh, made the doubts bigger. And, yeah, Kike Setien, I think, again, if he gets the time, then he's going to need to come back with improved performances very quickly after the break. If he doesn't, then I think that's totally on Fernando Roche. You can't. You can't sack a manager after six, seven games. It, it's totally on you. If you take a decision and then you lose your confidence after, well, he lost the confidence after four games, and so these three games have been kind of a, a test of his confidence as well. But, but yeah, Setien, particularly the type of manager he is, and you know that he's very idiosyncratic. He has his style. He has his mentality. He's not going to move from that. I think if you bring someone in like that, going from Emery, who's the polar opposite of that, Emery will work out the best way to beat a different team and will adapt his side to that. I mean, he obviously has central tenets, but in general, he will look at the other side and try to exploit their weaknesses, whereas Setien looks at his side and tries to exploit their strengths. And so, so yeah, if you're going from one extreme to the other almost, and then to to try and, or to think about sacking someone after three, four games, it's just,
1: uh, yeah, uh, no words, to be honest. Plenty of words, but yeah, no words. <laughs> yes, um, if that <laughs> does happen, that, that will be quite uh, quite the turn of events, even for even for Villarreal. Um, so let's just quickly review, then, just the relegation battle as it stands before the break. Uh, 15th down. Note, there are none of the promoted teams in this list, because they've all, by and large, been pretty good. But yeah, 15th, Hitafe 14 points, then Espanyol, 12, Celta, 12, and then in the relegation zone. Sevilla and Cadiz on 11 each, and then Elche on four. To finish off, Rory, though, the World Cup squad, Lucho's World Cup squad will be announced tomorrow or today, if you're listening, on Friday. Quick fire question, Rory, yes or no? One word. In or out, yes or no, Iago Aspas? No. Mikel Merino? No. Bryce Mendez, No. Ansu Fati? No. Nope. Oh my word, I was hoping to get at least one yes there. Um, So, not many surprises in Rory's Lucho list. Uh, We'll see what the man himself brings on Friday. We'll be back with pods um, throughout the World Cup, so stay tuned for those, but for now we have run out of time. Thank you so much, Rory, for your insights today. No, a pleasure, and uh, yeah, i will finally stop talking. (laughs) No, no, the listeners absolutely love it, as do I, but I'm afraid we have to go now. But thank you very much for listening. Keep following us at La Liga Down for all of your World Cup and Copa and transfer talk, everything. Uh, we'll be covering it. But for now, thank you very much, and we'll see you again soon. Adios. Puede ser que si? Bravo!